heard one couple say that uh, they childproofed their house and they're still getting in. Psalm 127, though, says, Unless the Lord builds a house and its builders labor over it in vain, unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one who he loves. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, children a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. By the way, a quiver's 13. That shouldn't scare you, though. Such men, <laughs> such men will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. God here is making a picture of children being like the arrows in an archer's quiver. And the whole point of this is, is that there are many in, in the whole archery world. We have a couple of... Uh, uh, academic archers here. Uh, Preston and Michael actually shoot uh, archery for um, uh, South Fontaine High School. They're on the archery team and they're doing a great job out here. And so quite often making a, I think a few perfect scores is not right under some perfect scores. Uh, I am still not sticking my uh, apple on top of my head to try them out. <laughs> Come on. But we have this picture of arrows or our children being like arrows. Now, the one thing that I know, I know very little about archery, but the one thing I know about archery is back in the day, there was many different types of arrows for whatever purpose or whatever target they were going to hit. Uh, for hunting, they would have a little shorter arrow where it was a quick draw from the bow so they could draw the bow real quick and then release to, to hit the animal that they were wanting to have for supper that night. Later on, it was for close combat battle. You would have a little longer arrow, real lightweight, and they would shoot those for close, where it would still be a little draw, longer draw, but not super long. But for the ones who would stand on the walls and would shoot past the front lines of the army, but would shoot hundreds at a time, they would be a good bit longer, where it would be a long draw. They would draw very, very long draw, and then they would shoot over and down into the enemy. So many different types. This picture is the whole idea of your children. Your, I call them students because they're not my children, even though I sometimes feel like a dad uh, of 70-something students on Wednesday night. I pull my hair out, as some of you have tried. But what happens is, is the great part about this is not all of your children are the same. Could you imagine your children being the same as that one that you have? How a scary thought that is, right? Okay? That one of your, that all of your children were just like that one. Or some of you going, man, I wish all of mine were just like this one. Well, the beautiful part is, is that they're not all the same. And one of these days, you're going to see the beauty of allowing your children to be able to grow in those ways. Which means that you will teach them different. You will react to them different. You will guide them differently. And that is the beautiful part of what God does, because thank goodness we're not all the same. In fact, we talked about this Wednesday night. You should thank God every day that you do not act like me. I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? I'm a pretty good fellow 10% out of the day, but the other day we don't have to wonder about, okay? Thank you, Todd, for laughing. I appreciate that. Not any better of an example, but anyway, thank you. 
And so what happens is, is we have children are different, students are different, teenagers are different altogether. So we must work with them, guide them in many different ways. <clears throat> now, the other thing about archers, where they, because there were different types, they ended up molding most of their own arrows. He would mold them to what target he was going to hit. So the short range or the little longer range or the very long range, he would mold those. Now, in the very beginning of things, a long, 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 long time ago, back when Rusty was living, they took flint, which is a very hard black stone, and uh, that's the stuff you use to put metal for all the survival TV show watchers. That's the one that you take, uh, if you take iron, and you strike against the iron against that, it makes a spark where you start fire. And when you do that, they would also, it also uh, was made to make arrowheads. And so you would chip it off, all right? And there are guys still today who make knives out of it, and they sit there for hours just chipping away at this part. Now then, can I tell you something? I want you to think about this. Remember this, because we're going to go on real quick. Remember this. More likely, teenagers are like this right here, the flint. Now then, as years went on by, hundreds of years went on by, we finally got to the Bronze Age, and we were able to heat up bronze and make bronze and start heating it up where it could heat it up and take very little, but have to pound around a little bit and mold them into an airhead, and all we lacked was the sharpening of it. I see that these would probably be our children from yay high to about yay high. But notice that the work, now it takes a lot of heat, but it takes very little work to put these together. Now then, at two years old, we know that they can get into anything. Uh, at two years old, it's amazing. I bet you some of them can even teach safe cracking classes. You know, you do not want them in there, but somehow they can find a way into it. But notice the ability to guide them and to bring them along is a good bit easier in those moldable ages. Because all it takes is daddy to say, all right, come on, girl, and hold her hand out. You got to hold that little pinky and she continues to fall dad, right? I know there's a few of those times where it's, no! Okay? I understand that. But for the most part, we see those being able to be easily molded. Now then, we understand that when they're getting into everything, there's time for a lot of heat. <laughs> we run out of calories trying to run after them little dudes. But listen, once again, there's a purpose. We're going to learn about this in just a second. You're molding them into the target that they're going to hit. Remember that these students or these children have a place. They have a place. You're thinking to, to make a place. You're thinking that there's a target for you to mold these children into. We're going to look at that in just a second. All right, teens. We're not down on you. But they're like plants sometimes.
see this as those times where Daddy, why is this right here? Daddy, why is that? Mama, why? can't go here. Why? 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 Is that constant, small, shooting away of reasoning behind a person who we know the brain has not grown completely, all right, with someone who is not much older than they are, and it says that youth that are grown against the youth, all right, the warrior's youth having many children, okay? We find out in, in, this, in these verses, it says, Happy is the man whose field is quiver with them. Such men will never be put to shame when they speak to their enemies at the gate. Can I tell you that an archer will release his arrows to do the job for which they are molded? We have been called as followers of Jesus Christ and as parents and as student ministers and as teachers and all of those and who are church members, we have we need to realize that these children will be and students will one day be drawn and released into this world. And its target is to carry the light and to carry the word of God into this world. So our molding and our chipping away is all set so God can use them as He sees fit. I hate to tell you this. These are not your children. These are not your teenagers. They're God. One of these days, they're not even going to, not only will they be uh, of our family and be our children, we still call it that, be our children. We are in charge of them. But what we must realize is, is that one day they will be our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Our, we need to learn how to mold how to chip away. And you do that with love. Now, I know that I'm going to become an enemy for all those who are left in whippable age. I have ADHD. I'm self-diagnosed. I found out that what's on the internet, 10, I've got 9 out of 10 different systems of having ADHD. My mom had a medicine for it, a whipping. Okay? Uh, I hate the green carpet, the little green cheap turf carpet type stuff. It's outside carpet. We had it in front of our church house. We didn't have to go to the foyer in it. just flipped over the little big porch. We keep it around and we play windmill. We're always right. Because I come up to church. Listen, Scripture says spare rods full of dough. Because that piece of wood. Tonight, I can tell you which ones who have been disciplined and which ones who have not. And I'm not picking on anybody. Now then, does it always have to be a whipping? No. There were times my mom would 
But listen, that molding, that chipping away, that's discipline. By the word, by the way, the word discipline, if you look at it, it has disciple in it. One of these days, the one who grew up in your house from diapers all the way up to driving that car to heading to college to being married off, notice, one of these days there will be your brother or sister in Christ. It is our calling as adults and calling as you as being a father or a mother. It is your calling to start to disciple them from the dying. And he is an archer. The picture of an archer says one day you will have to release them into this world who is not going to do them any good. So if you want to do your child or your teenage, the worst service in the world, put them in their room and let them play games for the rest of their life. Can I play games? Let me turn up the wall. Leave them alone. Don't mess with them. But if you want them to grow into the place where you need to release them, that the world has changed, that the world has received from the Lord, Brother John is going to keep going, but I want to pray that God continues to speak to us as we are doing learning about home remedies. Dear God, you're such an amazing God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for caring for us in so many ways. God, I, I know that the whole idea of, of rearing children is, is so many different ways of doing this, and we have come from so many backgrounds, but we know that your word has told us there are ways to raise children according to you. And we know that one day they will be released in this world. And Lord, I pray, Lord, they will be released ready to change this world for you. That they would be, uh, their, their point would be the, the gospel, the good news of you. That they would not be dulled by uh, the things that they've learned at home, but they would be sharpened, ready to pierce the heart of this world that they, that they can just induce uh, the, the beauty and the, the greatness of their Savior. We love you and we thank you. Let us be what you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, tag out. Right. Now we thought about it, Todd. We'd have got you in on that too. I'm sorry. Um, now, thanks, by the way, for uh, clarifying the quiver. Uh, I know now why there's so uh, much lack of joy. Because nobody has a full quiver around here. Herrings are close, but not quite. Um, I want to. I want to just really catch on right, right where he left off. You know, you hear the statistics uh, that say after high school, eighty to ninety percent of all teenagers go off to college and they get out of church and they they fall into the, the ways of the world and and they don't come back or or it takes years for them to come back. Um, and, and a burden on my heart is is the reality that that is often the case. Um, just a few weeks ago, our church hosted foster care training uh, over in the fellowship hall. And as I sat there, uh, I have to be honest with you. 
Um, those trainings drive me insane. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that, that I, our family has been in the foster care system, and uh, I love that, that we can do that. I think that's a great ministry. But whether it's the two-day training prior to getting your license or the repeat, there's always a refrain that, that comes up over and over and over. Chris and Michelle, what is it? No corporal punishment. Now, listen, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you to, to just beat your children. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But as I sat there a few weeks ago and I listened to what these folks were talking about, my heart was burdened. Because the reality is, is everything they said, Miss Angie, you deal with this, everything they said in that room was reactive. It was catching the problem on the tail end. How do we respond to something that's already gone bad? I thought, dear God, help us. Because as, as parents, as Christians, rather than being reactive to everything, we need to come to the place where we are proactive. Proactive in our faith, proactive in our day-to-day walk with Christ, proactive in our parenting, proactive in everything to the, for the glory of the Lord. How is it that you and I can come, uh, can come to the point with the Apostle John and say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. No greater joy than knowing my children are walking in the truth. Well, uh, if we are going to be able to say that with John, then we have to be proactive in our parenting. And, and by the way, I want you to hear, hear this. Listen loud and clear. Or maybe I'll say it loud and you listen clear. It is not your responsibility to see that your child comes to Christ just so you can leave them alone. That is merely the beginning. And in order to produce a child, uh, a youth, a teen, a, a graduate that's ready to go off and fulfill that purpose, then you and I have to understand our responsibility in discipling them. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. King James Version says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Give me just, give me just a couple of minutes, a few minutes. I want you to think about this. How is it that we are going to disciple our children in the Lord? How is it that we're going to raise our children where they can walk with the Lord and, and, and be that person uh, fulfilling that goal, that responsibility that God has for us? Well, the first thing I would say is this. We need to recognize and remove the negative influences that we place on their lives. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. Well, what does it mean to provoke? I was thinking about that word this week, and, and I learned real quick one definition. I have, all right, I, look, I am not the perfect parent, okay? 
Savannah, would you agree? She don't even know what I said. Lord, now I know how my dad felt years ago. Anyway, I'm not the perfect parent. This week, um, Chandler got up one morning. Chandler's been sick this week, and I got up one morning. He was irritable as could be, and he wanted a cup. Well, I fixed him a cup, and all of a sudden, he didn't want that cup. So he just started. Ah! I set him up on the table right in front of him. You know what I did? I went. Ah! And my wife said to me, you are provoking him to anger. I said, how do you know what I was preaching on this week? You know, when we think about this word provoke, we often associate it with this concept of agitating to the point of, of making mad, making angry. And, and indeed, provoking is that. But when you think about this concept uh, in, in Scripture, what Paul is saying is not, uh, not agitating or not uh, really just uh, wearing somebody out until they become mad. He's talking about uh, provoking them or, or directing them to a place where they have an anger or a disdain toward the things of the Lord. I think the King James Version saying uh, provokes them not to the, to the wrath of God is, is something we need to pay attention to. Because the, the provoking is so much more than just yelling in Chandler's face, okay? Um, we, we have to understand this way. Uh, this word provoke means to put harsh demands upon children with a harsh and wrong spirit. We see this, and, and some of you may have encountered this growing up, in, in a parent that is, is very strict, very legalistic, very, very hard uh, to get along with. Now, let me just stop right there and tell you that there are two extremes in this definition, and we're going to land, I hope, on a balance. Because uh, this, this concept of harshness and strictness, this legalism, this condemnation that some parents place on their children is a provocation to anger, a provocation to the wrath of God by exaggerating faults or discouraging them with unreasonable demands. That's how David Jeremiah uh, defines this term. So we can provoke children to anger by being super strict, by being easily angered. How many of you have a hair trigger with your kids? Don't answer that. At times in my life, at, at times, I have a hair trigger. I have a hair trigger. I, I, I was uh, responsible for Chandler last week. This last week. I kept thinking, what is that smell? What is that smell? I, I finally got up out of the chair. I'm telling you, I'm not the perfect parent. <laughs> finally got up out of the chair and I turned the corner and Chandler's supper, which was broccoli and cheese, Wendy had left him with, was raked off of the plate, off of the table, onto the floor. And I said, what are you doing? And he ran off crying. Now, I, I, that's just a silly example. But, but so, if we're not careful, the way that we respond to our children in harshness, sarcasm, anger, can be something that pushes them away. Because what we say to them is, is I love the Lord. And I love you. But when I deal with you, I can be ugly. 
this harshness, this legalistic mentality, this, this overbearing nature can be something that provokes children to the wrath of God as it pushes them away, uh, pushes them away from Him. But it also means this. It, it, it's, we provoke our children when we become apathetic or unconcerned toward the things of the Lord. Here's the, the other side of that pendulum swing. On one side, we, we think we are in the right by, by, by standing and lording over them and forcing uh, this Jesus thing down their throats. And on the other side, we're just going to say, excuse me, get it if, if, if you can. I, if you get it, praise the Lord. If you don't, it's on you. We, we have this, this app that you say, well, that doesn't describe me because I bring my kids to church and I, I, I do this and I do that. The reality is this. You can bring your kids to church. But if your life outside of this church building says you are unconcerned about the things of the Lord or, or if you, you say or you live in such a way that, that what happens on Sunday morning is irrelevant to your Monday then the reality is you're saying to your children, this is irrelevant to our lives. You know, your, your children pay attention to you. They pay attention to your attitudes, to your words. They pay attention to time in the Word in your life or when you pray. They pay attention to how you treat the, the person at the drive-in. The drive-thru. They pay attention to those things. You don't believe me? Watch them when they get older. Because if you're rude to the waitress, they think they're entitled to tear her apart. They are. Because the reality is how you live before them will impact the way they live when they grow up to be just like you. An alcoholic is more prone to produce an alcoholic than one who is not into alcohol. You understand what I'm saying there? Because of the life and the culture and the way they live. So here we are. We, we've got to think about this. We've got to remove those negative influences. I'm not talking about uh, just things we don't do. I'm talking about understand that when you are overbearing, when you think shoving it down throats is the way to parent, or when you back away and act like you don't care at all, you're provoking your children toward anger, toward the wrath of God. Now, what does that mean? That anger, that wrath of God. Well, the reality is uh, in Colossians chapter 3, 21, uh, the Scripture says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, uh, again, that, that word provoke means to, uh, means to put down. It means to, do, uh, to, to treat in such a way as they'll never be good enough. They'll never live up to your standards. They'll never fulfill what you think they ought to be. And so we discourage the children in the faith because this is the negative side that we need to get rid of. We need to do all that we can, Scripture says, to edify, to build up, to, uh, to lead to the Lord. So if we're overbearing or if we act nonchalant like we don't care, we're discouraging our children. We also push them away. 
we push them away from the Lord with this this idea of of, of provocation. We, we we push them away. This wrath of God means that what what we do instead of uh, instead of drawing our children to Christ, we're literally leading them down a road that would that could send them to hell, to the judgment of God. Paul's warning them: don't provoke your children to wrath. What is he telling them? He says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up. Lift them up. Encourage them. That is, begin to disciple them in their lives. Begin to disciple them in their lives. Teenagers have an hour a week or an hour and a half a week with pork chops. You guys have about a half hour to an hour with me, right? You'll say, why do you preach so long? Because I only get to preach once a week. I don't preach that long. But the reality is this. Then the responsibility, if he has an hour and I have an hour, then somebody has to take the responsibility to disciple to discipline, to, to build up your children. And guess whose responsibility that is biblically? Not his. It's yours. It's yours. Fathers. That, that word is fathers and mothers. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the, in the discipline, the training, and admonition of the Lord. How are we going to do that? We've got to learn how to nurture our children in the Lord. What does nurture mean? All you parents, you remember when you brought your first child home? Man, you know what nurture means? You got a cold, you stay away. I'm going to feed my baby every two hours. I'm going to do exactly what that doctor tells me to. And if you mess with me, Mama, I'm going to get you. I don't care if you raise your baby on, I don't care if you raise me on cloth diapers. I know what I'm doing. We, we, we have this, this nature about us, especially women. Men, we're terrible at it. As, as first-time mothers, that we, I say we, <laughs> like I know, um, I just remember my wife. Uh, as as first-time parents of, of really taking care, following the details, being precise, because we, we, we love this baby and we want to nurture that child to grow. So what do we do? We feed that child. We clean that child. I have learned if you don't clean that child and mama comes home, you in trouble. Y'all know what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> clean that child. And you make sure that you're disciplined that when, when there are periods of rest that child needs. What do you do? You are you're doing that because you love and you care and you want it to grow up. We we raise them up. We nurture them. And just as that, we are given the responsibility to nurture our children spiritually. To nurture them spiritually. To care for them spiritually. And not that, you, hey, they got their ticket punched to go to heaven. It's not about getting your ticket punched. It's about following Christ in faith for our lives. So you nurture them. You, you teach them what it means to do that. You 
feed them. You instruct them. This word, uh, the nurture and admonition. Admonition literally is that you pour into their lives what the Lord is teaching you. And that may be the root of the problem. If the Lord, if you're not allowing the Lord to teach you, then you've got nothing to teach them. So you've got to discipline yourself. You have to be disciplined. You have to be preparing. And you have to, in turn, pour that out to your children. Discipline and nurture. Discipline and admonition of the Lord. Porkchop mentioned this a little bit ago. That the, the, the tool, what we're pouring into the lives of our children is this. The Word of the Lord. It's not about your opinion. It's the Word of the Lord. Now, it may not even be about your experience. It's the Word of the Lord. So if we're going to raise our children, we're going to nurture them, then we've got to We've got to know our source. That is the Word of the Lord. We've got to pour into their lives the Word of God. We've got to teach them. We've got to read it. We've got to study it together. We've got to give them opportunities to grow in the Lord. Why? Because it's the Word of the Lord that will hold them up in the valleys. It's the Word of the Lord that will guide them each step of the way. It's the Word of the Lord that will lead them to faithfulness until the Lord shall call them home. You want the arrow to pierce the bullseye of God's purpose for their life? Then you do so by teaching them and building in them the Word of the Lord. Let me tell you this. It's not about what you say as much as it is what you do. It's not about how much you know. It's about how you live. Because if we're going to disciple our children, and all we've got is talk, talk is cheap. So if we're going, how to disciple your children, number one is live it. Live it. You say you love the Lord? You say you love Jesus? Your children know what you love. I ask your children, what, what does mom or dad love? Football. Baseball. Horses. I mean, we could name a lot of things that we pour our lives into, we pour our time into, and the our children will know exactly what we love. What if, when asked, what do what does your mom or dad love? What if their response is number one, Jesus? That means you're well on the way to raising disciples who will follow the Lord. Live it, and then teach it. Teach it. Deuteronomy six says that we are to teach them all of the law. We're to teach them all of the word. If we always got to teach them is how much Jesus loves them, that's important. But if we don't teach them about the holiness of the Lord, if we don't teach them about the justice of the Lord, if we don't teach them that, that He is absolutely pure and righteous and calls them to live an absolute pure and righteous life, then guess what? We're, we're doing a disservice. We teach all of it. Why? Because all of it is important. 
So I want to challenge you parents this morning. How is it you're going to disciple the Lord? Or your children? Or how is it you're going to disciple your grandchildren in the Lord? Number one, love Jesus. Don't just say it. Do it. Pour your life into Him and let Him pour His Word and life into you. Number two is live that love in front of your family. Live that love in front of your family. And number three is teach them. Take time to read God's Word together. Take time to talk about God's Word every teachable moment. Take time. Take time to pour into your children the skills, the discipline for them to feed themselves and to grow in the Lord. The challenge in doing that this morning is to ask you, the invitation is to ask you to come pray about that responsibility. To come and surrender yourself to that responsibility in your home. To come, maybe bring your family to the altar and pray that they would grow in their walk with the Lord. Maybe this morning you're not discipling them because you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And the first place you start is this, yielding yourself to Him. Because you'll never live it. You'll never teach it don't know Jesus.